Robert McCluskey famously said, I know that you believe you understand what you think I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. And you know, basically, I think that sums up all of human communication. We talk to each other because that's all we have, are words. And those words mean something to us when we say them. However, they mean something slightly different or drastically different to the person we say them to, yes? We come from our own context from our own background, from our own history, from our own past experiences, our family of origin, our culture. And so even when we say familiar words to each other, the other person will understand them differently. It's just the way it is. They can understand them or they can misinterpret them or misunderstand them totally. Case in point. <laughs> He's laughing already. At the end of February, beginning of March, when Vision decided to do that matching fundraiser we're doing, you know, the one with the big thermometer, okay, uh, because we were going to try to match funds that someone had volunteered to donate, the week before that first Sunday in March, I texted John. <laughs> and I wrote, here's what I wrote, because, you know, you, I scroll back. Anyway, I said, I want to make a paper thermometer to hang in the sanctuary that goes up to the, the dollar amount, right? Dash. Is that too cheesy? Question mark. I got a one-word answer. The answer was yes. <laughs> so I went, oh, Hmm, side face, you know. So I texted back, LOL, okay, dot, dot, dot. That was it, okay. <laughs> now, now, first of all, let me say that texting is the absolute worst form of communication we have ever come up with. It is absolutely the worst. It is the least efficient. It is the most likely to be misunderstood of, I think, any communication that we have. And then there are all those abbreviations. LOL, laugh out loud. SMH, shaking my head. ROFL, rolling on the floor laughing. IDK, IDK, I don't know. Right, on and on. I'm not even telling you the dirty ones. <laughs> and, then, and then there's the, the brevity of words when we text each other, right? K, just the letter K, right? For okay, I agree. K, to you. T U. I'm being nice. T U. Thank you. Right? And there are others. There are like so many others. Okay. So what happened with that thermometer text? Okay. Here it was again. I want to make a paper thermometer to hang in the sanctuary that goes up to the dollar amount. Dash. Is that too cheesy? John's reply. Yes. I assumed he was answering the question. Is it too cheesy? He was not. <laughs> He was answering the proposal of making the thermometer. Make a thermometer? Great idea. Yes, do it. I read the text and I read, yes, it's too cheesy. Don't do it. I assumed he was against the idea. Okay, so which I answered, LOL, okay, like, you know, well, I thought it was a good idea, but I guess not. 
you know, which that's what I meant. Okay, so I won't do it. But I didn't text him that. I just texted him, LOL, okay. Which John took as, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> this, I mean, this is like a who's on first thing, you know? Oh my gosh, okay. Fast forward to the Saturday before the first Sunday in March. John calls me up at home, asks me how the thermometer's coming along. <laughs> okay, you get it, right? So we are having two separate conversations without even knowing it. We were both assuming what the other one meant without asking those clarifying questions. Right? And, and that's what the title of this talk is, you know what assume means. You know what assume means, right? Makes an ass out of you and me, okay. We are always assuming though, we are always assuming what people mean by the words that they say. We are always taking in someone's words and we are making meaning from them our own way. Now, the good thing about texting, okay, because I already told you what the bad part of texting is, right? It's worst possible form of communication. Now, the best part of texting is you get to scroll back and you get to actually read, reread what people say, right? That's the only good part about texting is, you know, I, I told you the, the downside, but that's the upside. It's, it's you can scroll back and you can actually reread what you wrote. So I scrolled backwards in time and I pleaded my case. John, I said, you said yes. I asked you, is it too cheesy? And you said yes. And he said, no, I said yes to the idea. <laughs> because that's as far as I read, <laughs> right? Yes, I wanted you to make a paper thermometer. Yes, I agreed with the idea. It was great. And my response, LOL, okay, he meant, he thought I meant, okay, I'll do it. I'm, I'll get right on it. <laughs> so it, it was just, you know, one of those, I assumed, he assumed, I assumed, he assumed, right? And it led to a total miscommunication. Now, in that event, there was nothing big and devastating, right? It was just a small amount of communication gone astray because we assumed things. But you can see how something like that can happen in other areas of your life, and big important things. You know, relationship miscommunications, all kinds of things. And Don Miguel Ruiz in his book, The Four Agreements, this is the third agreement. Don't make assumptions, right? Don't make assumptions. He says this, we make the assumption that everyone sees life the way we do. We assume that others think the way we think, feel the way we feel, judge the way we judge, abuse the way we abuse. He goes on to say, the way to keep yourself from making assumptions is to have the courage to ask questions. And that's what we need to do. Ask those questions. Ask the clarifying questions. Eliminate the temptation to make assumptions. We connect the dots all the time because we very rarely have all of the information about anything, don't we? We very rarely have all of the information about everything that we, we think about. And so we are forever connecting the dots. We are forever making assumptions. Oh, she said this, hmm. So I'm gonna mean it to take that. You know, she can be so whatever, whatever, fill in the blank. Those are assumptions that we make up and they're made up of our thoughts and our fears and our suspicions and our doubts. And Ernest Holmes said this, in Creative Mind and Success, he said, we are all immersed in an aura of our own thinking. 
This aura is a direct result of all that we have ever said, thought, or done. And it decides what is to take place in our life. It attracts what is like itself, and it repels what is unlike itself. We are drawn toward those things that we mentally embody. So the dots that we connect, the conclusions that we draw, the assumptions that we make, positive or negative, uplifting or soul-crushing, they are according to our predominant thoughts. And you know, it seems like it's human nature, is it not, to connect the dots? We are always given part of any story. We never get the whole entire thing ever. So we are forever connecting the dots. We're always trying to make meaning from the information we have. And you know, we don't have the complete picture all the time. You know, but here's the interesting part about that, is that as a human, we have the ability to draw conclusions, don't we? From the limited amount of information we have, we have the ability to reason. So we have that ability to draw conclusions based on a limited amount of information we have. We don't have to actually see somebody get hit by a car to draw the conclusion that running into the street without looking could be a bad idea. Right? We have that ability to reason out, having never seen anyone get hit by a car, we can reason out and make the assumption that running out into the street without looking can result in a disaster to our physical bodies. So we do that all the time. We project out all the time. We connect dots all the time and draw conclusions based on things. Ernest Holmes said this, he said, every person is surrounded by thought atmosphere. This mental atmosphere is the direct result of thought, which in turn becomes the direct reason for the cause of that which comes into our lives. So it's that thought atmosphere, it's that bubble that we're, that we're marinating in, those thought ideas that come into our lives. And when we don't know all the facts, or even when we do, we make things mean stuff, don't we? We make it mean things, which it may or may not really mean. We assign meaning to everything. We're just like meaning-making machines, <laughs> right? You call somebody, they don't call you back. What does that mean? <laughs> Why didn't he call me back? Oh my God, did I do something to him? Is he mad at me? Oh God, I must have done something. Did I do something? No, I didn't do anything to him. What's wrong with him? <laughs> that he wouldn't call me back. What's up with that? Oh, he's too busy to call me. Oh, Mr. Big Shot, right? He can't call me back. What the hell's wrong with him? Okay, you can see how it just spirals out of control, right? It can just spiral out of control. My mother, my mother, she was a darling woman, but when the house phone would ring, she would blurt out, oh my God, now what? And it was an assumption that all news is bad news. It was just an automatic assumption. Every time the phone would ring, someone was calling her. You know what that meant? That meant someone was in the hospital, or somebody died, or somebody broke a leg, or somebody wrecked a car, or, or the refrigerator blew up, or <laughs> somebody needed something. You know, it was always, always, always bad news. She never 
thought a ringing phone was good. A ringing phone never, never meant anything good. The assumption was always negative. But you know, when you look at that, and you remember where we come from, this idea that somewhere in our ancient past, sitting around the fire when we were an ancient people, and there was nothing but blackness, darkness, around outside of that ring of light, a snap of a twig or a low growl, we were alert to it, right? Immediately. We were immediately alert to it. We were attuned to identifying the negative because it meant life and death. It meant life or death to us. The positive usually doesn't, is not usually a matter of life and death, is it? So we are attuned to recognize the negative way more. We are used to avoiding pain and, and chasing pleasure. Rick Hansen, the author of Buddha's Brain, did anybody read that book? Fabulous book, Buddha's Brain, the, the practical neuroscience of happiness, love, and wisdom. He said this, he said, the brain is like Velcro for a negative experience, but Teflon for a positive one. <laughs> Think about that, right? Even long-held beliefs, though, even long-held beliefs can be changed, right? Long-held beliefs, long-held behaviors can be changed by new thought beliefs and new thought behaviors. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, you know that there is a God power at the center of everyone's being. You got to love that. A power that knows neither lack nor limitation, fear, sickness, disquiet, or imperfection. But because you're an individual, you can build a wall of negative thoughts between yourself and this perfection. And that wall which keeps you from your greater good is built of mental blocks cemented together by fear and unbelief mixed in the mortar of negative experience. It's not necessary that impoverishment and pain accompany you in your experience through life. We can choose again. Even if they're ancient thoughts, even if they're thoughts that are down in that reptilian brain of ours from when we first started walking upright and sitting around those fires and telling each other stories, we can go in there and retrain our minds to think, to go to those creative thoughts, right? Here's what happens inside of our brain. We hear bad news. It takes three to four seconds to fall into long-term memory. We hear good news, takes 12 seconds to fall into long-term memory. And if something happens in those 12 seconds before it drops into long-term memory, it doesn't. Right? If we get distracted before that 12 seconds is up, it doesn't go in at all. So if we are not intentionally focusing on the good in our lives, we will automatically focus on the bad. Yeah, blech, right? Blech. That's, the, that's the reaction. If we are not intentionally focusing on the good in our lives, we will automatically focus on the bad, which is, which is one of the reasons why the best practice, the best spiritual practice we have is gratitude, right? 
that, that idea of having a gratitude practice. You wake up in the morning and you know, and you're alive, first of all, yay, you know? You wake up and you're still here. That's, a, that's something to be grateful for. And the roof over your head, and the warm blankets, and the soft bed, and the indoor plumbing. And I mean, there are millions of things before your feet even touch the floor that you can be grateful for. When we have a strong gratitude practice, we are refilling ourselves all the time with the positive, with the good. And we are, we are affirming all of the good in our lives. And we're absolutely retraining ourselves to expect good, right? Whatever, what else can go right today? You know? It, it, so in those times when we do make assumptions, and I'm going to suggest that we do anyway. I mean, I know, I know in Don Miguel Ruiz's book, he said, just don't do it. <laughs> and then what do you do when you do, right? I think we are going make, to make assumptions. But in those times when we do make assumptions, there will be positive assumptions and not negative ones because we have awoken to what our habit behavior is. Maybe we are programmed to make assumptions. Maybe we are programmed to connect the dots and to make meaning all the time. We can become intentional about drawing positive assumptions as opposed to negative ones. That's the choice that we make. If we're going to do it anyway, we might as well draw the most positive assumption from any situation rather than the negative. We can train our minds to jump to positive conclusions just as easily as we can train our minds to jump to negative ones. So I don't know, maybe there is nothing wrong with making assumptions. It's just the assumptions we make. The assumptions we make should lift us, right? It should make us feel better about the conclusions we are drawing. Ernest Holmes said this he's in the Science of Mind. He said, this is the attitude we should assume. See, we're going to assume something anyway. He said it. So there you go. This is the attitude we should assume, that life holds nothing against us. It desires only our good. It wants us to be well, happy, and successful. It wants us to play the game of life the way it is supposed to be played, in unity and in cooperation with others. We are here to experience. And I think those are the assumptions we can all benefit by. We are here to assume life is good. We are here to assume life loves us. We are here to assume God is good all the time. We are here to assume health. We are here to assume abundance. We're, it's not there. <laughs> I was going to point to the qualities of God. <sighs> we are here to assume abundance. We are here to assume balance. We are here to assume beauty. We are here to assume freedom. We are here to assume a life of joy. We're here to assume love is our birthright. Love is the truth between all souls everywhere. We are here to assume we live a life of order. We are here to assume that life is peaceful, that we are powerful, 
We are here to assume a life of unity, that we are all one. At the root, at the base, there is only one life. It is God's life. It is perfect. It is our life right now. We are here to assume wholeness, to know and to understand that we are that. We are spirit in form. There is nothing else about us that is, that is not spirit. We are just spirit having an experience. We are that. We are here to assume wisdom, that we are the wisdom of spirit, and we move forward in all of those qualities. We move forward in joy, in love, in peace, in power. We can assume all of the good. And, that's, and that I think that's, that's our life. That's the definition of our life. So, so agreement number three, don't make assumptions, but you're going <laughs> to. But you're going to. So when you do, make them great assumptions. Make them God assumptions. Make them good assumptions. Make them the assumptions that life, that your life, that, that all life is the life of God. Thank you.